You're listening to Wait, Am I an Adult Now? One of the only podcasts out there that interviews young millennials riding the squiggly line of life. We're your co-hosts, Shelby Wildgust and Savan Pichotto. And together, our mission is to inspire you with stories of millennials just like you who are paving their way in the new creative economy. Our guests are leading epic lives through entrepreneurship, artistry, charity, music, corporate leadership, and so much more. Are you ready to jump in? Let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Wait Am I an Adult Now? This is Shelby Wildguest. And this is Savan Petrotto. And of course, we have a guest with us. So guests, want to say hi? Hi, everyone. My name is Rachel Mednick. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course. Thank you for being with us on this cold, wintry night. We're in a warm uh, recording studio. So we're gonna have a good chat tonight. But before we do that, of course, we have to dive into our adulting moments of the week. Savan, kick us off yes all right so uh this happened a couple weeks ago and um i also made a facebook live about it which is why i like my mind was so blown after i realized this so i was at shelby's house the other week and um parked at a parking garage above the acme which i normally do but it's like 10 blocks to park there and then when I was leaving her house, she told me that I didn't have to park there. And why have I been parking there for the past year? Because you can park for free on the street in Philly for two hours. So on and select <laughs> Only in certain places, yes, though. only in certain places. Yeah, I well, did say. I said <laughs> on the side streets, not on the main street. Yeah, I am. Um, <laughs> but anyway, continue. I was like... So I always thought that two-hour parking meant that you had to pay for up to those two hours, and then after that it would expire, and you would have to go pay again. Like, I just thought you had to pay right away. I didn't think you could park for free for two hours and then go and pay. Um, So that was, like, completely amazing to me. So then the next time I met up with you in the city, I tried it, and it worked, and I didn't get a ticket. But then that same day, I went to another part of the city, and the sign said three hour parking. So I was like, cool, three hour parking, great. So I did it and I ended up getting a ticket because I didn't see that under the sign it said pay you a kiosk. You must be posted. Yeah, yeah. you gotta yeah, watch so you out to for those right kiosk like, things. I just like, I feel like I should know this stuff already because I've been like going to Philly for like- You're just a suburb Since girl. I could drive. So <laughs> I, like, I don't know. Well, don't now know. you know. Yeah. Now you know. I got a parking ticket today because I parked my car on a street that was free parking and I don't have the um the parking pass thing like the year-long parking pass so I always have to find the free parking and I I know my spots and I found a parking spot that I was so excited about and I parked my car there I left it for three days there come back today there is a parking ticket frozen to my windshield <laughs> because I parked on the crosswalk which I didn't realize but then I got out of my car and I'm like oh yeah I'm definitely parked on the crosswalk nice so it's just so it know, happens. It happens. Yeah, I'm learning. It's, it's tough of, in Philly to yeah. avoid parking tickets. Yeah, I mean, you, I just hate them. I hate the Philly parking police, but they're really damn good at their job. So yeah, they <laughs> truly <funny>. are. <laughs> All right. So my adulting moment of the week. Um, so I was recently in Detroit for a business trip, and I originally was supposed to fly out on a Friday or Saturday morning because I was speaking at a conference over the weekend. And there was a major snowstorm coming our way. And so I got an email Friday afternoon that Delta advised I should probably, 
you know, reschedule my flight or to consider canceling my flight. Well, I couldn't do that because I was speaking. So I quickly bought a new flight for that Friday night. So where I had all these plans for Friday night, I had to just cancel them and run back to my apartment, get packed really fast and get to the airport. So I get back to my apartment, I pack my bag, get to the airport, go through security, yada, 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 whole nine yards, get to Detroit. I unpack my bag and I realize as I'm unpacking my bag that I completely forgot a bra because I was wearing a sports bra because all day Friday I had plans to go to the gym to be a personal trainer and then when I had to quickly reschedule my flight, I had to run home, pack my stuff and I guess I thought as I was packing that I had a bra on that could just be sufficient for the whole weekend. No, just had a sports bra. Unfortunately, my first outfit for the weekend was an outfit that had like a built-in bra in it because it was a, a jumpsuit. Second outfit did not. So I had to compromise, or not compromise, I had to um, be creative and figure out a way to wear the outfit without a bra. So that was the moment where I was like, you can just like go buy am one I somewhere. An adult now? <laughs> I, can I? No, I couldn't. I couldn't because first off, Detroit's a really weird city. Secondly, I had no time to leave the hotel. Like the conference went until 9.30 at night and started the next morning at 8 a.m. Oh, so wow. I was like, I don't know what to do. So I just, <laughs> fortunately, my outfit like was okay. It was like thick enough where I could get by. Yeah. But it was just very awkward. So yeah, that's my round. I feel like all my weird stories have to do with Detroit. <laughs> yeah. My last I think weird we story. Maybe avoid going there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my last story about Detroit was when I uh, had a hotel that had a porno being filmed next door to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Detroit, man, weird city. Anyway, Rachel. What's your so I was very proud of myself because I've had a lot. This year has been a very big year of adulting for me. Um, and I have my own house now and it's wow, super exciting. Congrats. That's and awesome. I Airbnb my house on the weekends when I'm not there. So I got home this weekend and there was something beeping and I was like, okay, stay calm going to figure this out. So I went up and I figured out that it was my, I have a combo smoke detector and carbon monoxide thing. Mm -hmm. And I figured out that it wasn't flashing red. So, you know, that was like a good sign. So I figured out it was just the battery. And instead of just like, I got it to stop beeping, but I was like, no, it is going to be nighttime. This thing is totally going to go off in the middle of the night. I am going to the store right now and getting batteries. And so that's what happened. And I thought, that was a very proud adult moment. Absolutely. So you changed your smoke alarm batteries. Yeah. Before. Nice. Before like, like they started. They started beeping incessantly throughout the evening. Yeah. Getting ahead of the game. Great job. That That's reminds awesome. me of your other story, Savan, when she left her kitchen burner on. Oh, God. That was awful, and though. And didn't realize it for like a full two days. I, well, yeah, at least. And it was this weird smell that I didn't recognize. Like, it didn't smell like gas to me. But, like, my apartment was filling out with gas. And I didn't even know about it. And, and then my, my dad came in and looked at it for me. And he was like, yeah, you had your burner on, like, the whole time. Oh, my God. That's, I like, know, my worst fear. I know. She told that story of yeah. one of her episodes. And I was like, what the hell? Are you literally yeah. going to blown up. Someone yeah. just told me that recently that they their friend did that. And they had just bought, like, a nice pretty teapot for Christmas. And they had left it on. And that all the Teflon, like, melted. Oh. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's so gross. Terrifying. All right. Well, all right. that's <laughs> not what our episode's about today. <laughs> Moving on. This has been a weird afternoon. <laughs> Just so all of you, you guys are looking the corner. What's going on and why we're all just feeling a little off right now is because, um, so full disclosure, our recording studio is at this place called Rec Philly over in North Philly. It's an awesome, awesome space for creative entrepreneurs to basically get access to recording studios, um, producing, 
studios, like all these different things for people who are into music and podcasts and um, art and all this stuff. Um, but it's in a warehouse and it's in like this old window factory and they are moving to a much, much nicer spot. Center soon. City, yeah. So we're here and uh, we're in the middle of recording the beginning of our episode and we hear this ruffling around and we look over and there is a mouse joining us. We have a, a fourth or third. Fourth. We have a second guest. A, a second guest. <laughs> yeah. You didn't know you would have a buddy today. Yeah. Well, here we are. All right, Rachel. So let's dive into who exactly you are. And so just share this. Give us your brief bio. Bring us up to speed from who 18-year-old Rachel was and who 31-year-old Rachel is. So many things happened <laughs> in that time. Drastic things. Um, so I graduated college a semester early, which was really cool. But I stayed and I did my fashion show at the end of the year because I went to Drexel for fashion design and merchandising. And in that time, I was able to start working full time. And so I had a full time job when I graduated. And my first full time job was running a business. So I don't know why you would ever hire a fresh out of college person to run your business, but that's what this person <laughs> did. And I think I did a really good job. I, I ran a spa, I did window displays, I did all the marketing, PR, I did all the bridal stuff. Um, and so that was kind of my launch into the world. Um, and then from there, I was, I, my creative bug was kind of there and I was sometimes bored at work. And so I started a children's clothing company called Lucy and Leo. Um, I had been, you know, around the fashion industry for my whole college career and internships and all that stuff at that point. And I had really learned a lot about what was sad in the fashion industry and how people don't get treated fairly and that our clothes are detrimental to the environment and all these horrible things. So I decided to start this company as a way to change that. Um, and I did that for about, it was almost... It's probably almost like 10 years from wow. start to finish because um, I did it for a few years on the side before I really started manufacturing. Um, and then so that was like a whole run. And I just remember the first production run I finally got was so cool because I had been working my ass off. I hired a consultant that I could not afford to help me find a factory. Like now there's all these cool resources, but that didn't exist for me then. Um, and I just kind of like learned as I went and there was a huge learning curve and I just figured it out, but I got my first shipment of inventory in and I went like, oh crap, am I allowed to curse on this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh shit, like what do I do with all of this? And so I decided to apply to be a, a vendor at the holiday market in Bryant Park in Manhattan, which oh, wow, is cool. like, I grew up in New York and I did um, my internship right around Bryant Park. So I did that for, that was like the first like three solid years of my business. Um, it was exhausting. I looked like a zombie by January. <laughs> People would ask me if I was okay, like every five minutes. <laughs> like I'm still alive, just I need to stay in bed for a month now. Um, and then in the past year, so that's kind of like, the this is the very quick version. Um, but in the past year, it was a really big change for me because I ended a relationship that was about nine and a half years long. I moved out. I bought a house with my dad, who was very nice to help me with that. Um, and I decided to try and sell Lucy and Leo and start my own business coaching business um, where I work with clients, mostly women entrepreneurs, about how to increase their productivity and remove their blocks around fear, which 
all of us have. That's yeah. amazing. Cool. Wow. I'm so excited to dig into <laughs> all great. of that. Before the podcast, I told Rachel, just give us like a medium level overview and then we're just going to really dive into to everything. So I think my first question for you, Rachel, kind of starting in a chronological order. When you were in college, so you went to school for fashion and merchandising. Why did you choose that major first off? I really wanted to do something creative. Since I was in middle school, I had a friend that did all these like fashion illustrations. And when I was a kid, I had like that Barbie thing where you guys, I mean, you guys are a little younger than me, but I had this thing where you would design the clothes on your computer and then it would like print out on this fabric. For sure. (laughs) Um, So it was always something I was really passionate about doing. Um, My parents always really like wanted me and my sister to be very creative. And I felt like I was deciding if, if I wanted to be a teacher or I wanted to go into fashion. And I was like, I just have to do this fashion thing first. And I know that I can be a teacher and I'll be really great at it. And if I want to fall back on that, I can. But like, I have to just try this out. Oh, I like yeah, that. That's really cool. I, I really liked how you, you knew that teaching could be an option for you, but you wanted to take a little bit more of a risky path and explore that first. Yeah, because why not? And I also teach now at Drexel in the fashion department, which has oh, all wow. come full wow. circle. Yeah. And I oh, love sure. it so much. And so I get to do both. Yeah, yeah. something so that's... So you never know yeah. how it's going to work out. Something to be said about like getting the experience first and then being able to use that to teach others. And it sounds like with your coaching that you do now, too, it's like you're teaching people through your own experience. Yeah. So it makes sense that yeah. you chose to do that first. That's really awesome. So when you were in school, you were going through fashion, you were, you know, doing all the things that you're supposed to be doing while you're a fashion student. Did you ever see yourself as an entrepreneur or did you see yourself, you know, being more on the creative side of a big fashion label? I don't know that I saw myself. I always kind of saw myself as a little bit different. Like even since I was in high school, I remember like my math teacher once spending like an hour doing this problem on the board and she was like this is the steps and this is how you have to do it and I remember like being like what the heck is she doing this takes me five minutes like I don't understand and I raised my hand and I said to her well can you just do it this way and she was like oh like I never know (laughs) (laughs) and I just kind of always I was always a very rule follower, but I kind of pushed the boundaries a little bit because I saw things in a different way and so I don't think I ever saw myself as an entrepreneur Definitely through college, I, I didn't really think about that. I kind of had fantasized about opening my own business one day, but it it wasn't a term that I really related with like I do now. Yeah. So what you just said about bending the rules really reminds me of Sophie Morrison, mm-hmm. um, who wrote that book, Brain Judo, where she talks about the traits of entrepreneurs, and one of them was aversion to authority. So it's interesting that you said that you know you try to push the rules a little bit or push the boundaries. and. So is there a moment that you can point to where you use that trait in a good way, either in your fashion industry, in your fashion business or elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, I think as an entrepreneur, you have to take risks on a daily basis. I think that was one of the hardest things for me to learn, but that has served me well because you want to take like educated risks. Um, but you have to. Every day is a risk when you're an entrepreneur. You don't know when your next paycheck's coming. You don't know what's going to get thrown at you that day. You don't know if a client's going to be happy with you, sad. You could do all the right things sometimes and it doesn't work out. I mean, I I would have never started a business. Any of my businesses I've started, I would have never done it if I, it's all a risk. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So did you feel like it was a risk when you graduated from Drexel and jumped into that first career where you were basically running a company? Or did you feel like that was a little bit more of a cushion and kind of a stepping stone into where you are now? I think that was definitely a stepping stone at the time. I did not realize it. And I had a super crazy boss who I'm forever grateful for because I had one of the worst experiences I could have ever had. And I learned how to not be a boss. I learned how to really manage people properly and really see them for who they are. Um, I learned how to not run a business. And I got to do it in a hands-on kind of way, which was really invaluable. Yeah, it's almost like you were in an incubator in a way where it's you were doing all the things that an entrepreneur would do with a little bit more safety and a little bit more perspective because you were seeing someone else do it too and you were seeing it maybe done in the wrong way and it was giving you the perspective of Yeah, what you would I think want another to thing to that's important to point out here too is that I was like still having your typical like 9 to 5 job and there's a lot of safety in that and that that's something I think that society kind of puts on you as being important and being normal. Mm -hmm. And when you're an entrepreneur, like not everyone's going to get what you're doing all the time. Mm -hmm. So that's like another big part of the risk is that you, it's a big emotional risk because no matter how much support you have from your friends and your family, like in like normal side life, they're not going to get it most likely unless you come from a family of entrepreneurs like they are not going to get it until you prove yourself and they can see it so it's a very different thing than yeah than going to work for somebody else even though you might be high up or running another person's business it is totally not the same thing yeah Yeah, it really is a big shift so then that being said since you've gone through a lot of these different transitions you've started a business you've sold a business you've been an employee of a business um, and now you are coaching people with their businesses. If someone out there who's listening to us is going through that early stages of entrepreneurship where nobody can see it except for him or her, what advice would you give to that person? Well, my biggest thing I always say is get comfortable with being uncomfortable because it's the only constant you're going to have. I love that sign. So for me, I, I'm a planner and I needed to have like something consistent and that is what's consistent is that nothing will be consistent. So like (laughs) I could wrap my, I know it sounds silly, but that's what I can wrap my brain around. And I think that that's really true. I think the other thing that's important is that you have to hold the hope. This is your baby. This is your vision. And you have to hold the hope. It's yours. It's not anybody else's and it's not anybody else's job to see it. It's only your job to see it. And when it's there, people will get it, but not everybody has that vision like you do and you can't expect them to. That's completely unrealistic. Yeah. So just keep at it Mm -hmm. and they'll eventually see what you're doing. So how do you help somebody through those stages where impatience is starting to set in and it's like, well, why don't people get it? Like I'm getting frustrated. Like how do you help someone through that kind of stage? For me, it's always important with clients and with whoever I'm talking to to remind them of their why. If you're not clear in what you're doing, then don't even bother getting started because that is the rock that is going to hold you through everything that you do. Yeah. If you know exactly why you're doing something, you're going to be able to recall that and keep going. And I think the other thing that's really important is you have to surround yourself with other entrepreneurs. 
have to, have to, have to. This is like not a drill. (laughs) Like like you must because they're going to be able to support you in a way that your other friends can't. I was just going to bring that up because um, loneliness is like one of the biggest factors, I think, when it comes to entrepreneurship is when you feel like you have this vision, but you're you're there alone. And like it's it's almost like surrounding yourself with people gives you the energy to keep going for it, because like you have like you said, other people are supporting you just as you're supporting them in their vision. So like I know with myself, I've struggled before because. I used to just work at home all day long by myself and I wouldn't really put myself out there and surround myself with people. Um, So I think that what you're saying is really important, but for someone who might be a little bit more shy, like what are some of the good ways that they can start to get involved with other people? Or like, where did you kind of start finding your tribe, I guess I would call it? Yeah, I think for someone that's maybe not as outgoing, well, I think first of all, you kind of have to get over that if you want to be a successful business owner, (laughs) quite honestly, because you're gonna, business owners are always selling, that's your job. So you always have to be putting yourself out there, being connected to other people. I think you have to do it in a way that's comfortable for you and that's so important. Um, I think even a great way to get started right now, like on social media, like just, join some Facebook groups that are entrepreneur groups or have similar businesses or interests. And don't be afraid to ask questions. Like everyone has been there. Like I can't even tell you the importance of like the amazing, incredible women that I've been able to surround myself with who have seen me in hysterics like time and time again and have pulled me up and supported me and held my hand through it. Um, I was very fortunate to find a women's entrepreneurs group that is no longer in existence, but I still keep my tribe together and we mm-hmm. still talk once a week. Um, and so through them, I was really able to kind of cultivate those relationships. and. And now I go to networking events. Now I'm finally like feeling like I'm really settled in Philly because I'm originally from New York. And even though I've been here for a long time, I've often back and forth a lot. Um, But just going to different networking events and talking to people. And it's also a great way to just like make new friends. After college, it's hard to make friends. Like it's true. (laughs) So just like do it. Like have fun, you know? I think just going about it from a place of having fun, I'm just gonna put myself out there, I'm gonna learn something new, I'm gonna make new friends. That's kind of how it can start and it and I think that's a better way to go about it that feels a lot less like, yeah. oh my God, there's so much pressure and I have to meet like 20 people a day and I have to call like 30 more people and I have to do all these things. Right, yeah, I think when you put the pressure on yourself that like you're just going out there to meet people just to like get new business, then that's like you're, you're coming from a place of like, desperation yeah it's whereas like you should just do it because it's fun and you want like you said you want to meet new people and you just want it to be like a good experience for you to like test yourself and push yourself and just get out in the world a little bit more also on that note I think it's really important to acknowledge the story that's holding you back because I know for me this past this year so far has been a lot about just collaboration like my whole theme of this year is collaboration over competition And so I've been intentionally reaching out to people on social media to get coffee with them. And the old me, uh, I don't know if I would say the old me, I've never really been super shy, but I definitely have battled stories that I've been telling myself about inadequacy. And, you know, the old me might have thought that, oh, well, why this person want to meet up with me for coffee? Like, oh, why would I even bother asking? Like, she's going to say no. Or like, oh, like, I'm just going to be a burden by asking her to get coffee with me. 
But in reality, it's like, if they say no, whatever, they say no. But don't let the story of them saying no stop you from at least asking. Because chances are, if you're reaching out to someone and you've looked them up on social media, because we all do that these days, you know their vibe, you know kind of the gist of who they are, you know before you even ask if you think you'd connect with them. Right. If you think you'd connect with them, chances are they think it too. And you might as well get coffee with them and then see where it goes from there. Yeah, absolutely. People want to connect with each other. Like we're in this weird world right now and social media is great for that, but it can also feel so isolating when you're just sitting there looking at everybody else's <laughs> stuff going yeah. on all the time. So like <laughs> that human connection is so important. Like those are the the relationships that you're going to build that are actually going to get you somewhere. Yeah, 100%. So I actually want to move off of this topic and into something that I thought of when you were talking earlier about, you know, your why. And, you know, as long if you have a strong why, you can get through anything. You can get through those hard times. So you pivoted. You know, you sold a business that I'm assuming if you worked in it for 10 years, you must have had passion with it. You must have had a why then. So what made you decide to sell your business and start something new? Was it a loss of the why or was it just, you know, you felt like there was a time for change or was the passion diminishing? Yeah, I, I think it was a mixture of all of those things. I think I was always really clear on my why, which is I, I have always felt that I'm on this earth to create positive change. And I think that that can come in a lot of different ways. So I think at that moment in my life, that was the way for me. Um, and I think as kind of I grew and I found myself helping other entrepreneurs, quite honestly, because I had been doing Lucy and Leo for so long that people were asking me questions all the time. And, and I started coaching and I just found people had all these same kind of blocks. And to me, it was just a natural tra transition. And that's now the way that I can create change and that I can be the wind beneath someone else's wings and mm -hmm. watch them soar and create a business that's really successful. I don't like need the I, I think before when I was younger, I kind of needed like, this is my business. It's like my baby. It's my thing. And it's like such a part of me. And it is such a part of me and will always be. But now I really, I get more joy out of supporting somebody else do that. Yeah. That's Very awesome. interesting. Yeah. I think that's also, uh, part of me thinks it's like a maturity aspect too of shifting your focus from you to other people. Because I think about it, like, as we grow older, our natural tendency, and not everyone wants to have kids, but our natural tendency is to procreate, therefore shifting the focus from us onto something new and onto growing somebody else's life and lifting somebody else up and yeah. and taking somebody else beneath your wings and, and bringing them up to a space where they can then fly on their own. And it's interesting to see you going through that same process just with your career. And to be like completely honest, like I completely 100% relate to what you're going through because I've recently been going through this shift myself where like, yeah, I've been doing graphic design and I create things for people and I like doing that and I like giving people like creative parts of themselves. But then now I'm kind of in this realm where I'm like, I, I also want to help other people do the same thing. I want to help people start their businesses or be able to leave their nine to five and just figuring out the way to do that and like be like you said uh, uh to be like that light for positive change like that's something that i think that we all somewhat strive to do 
And I know that Shelby, you do this too through, through speaking um, and just like uplifting people, helping people. I think as you get older, it's figuring out more how you can bring other value to other people first and not just success and value to yourself. Yeah, I agree. And I just want to point out one thing too, because don't be afraid to shift. Like, it's really important. Like, just don't be afraid. Like, it's okay if you put 20 years into something and then you change your mind. Mm -hmm. Like, it is a-okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And so for people listening, I, you know, I've heard that a lot. A lot of women especially have come up to me and said, like, I'm so inspired because, like, I can't believe you just shifted like that. Mm -hmm. I can't believe you just did that. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) And it is. It's okay. It's okay to change your mind. It's okay to shift. It's okay to put your heart and soul in something and then realize that it's not for you. Like, there's no... Harmon letting go. Yeah. I love that concept so much, Rachel, because I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with. Mm -hmm. A lot of people fear change and a lot of people fear that shift because they're too focused on, well, what if it's the wrong choice as opposed to what if it's the best choice? And I, yeah. And a lot of times too, I feel like a lot of people, when they do something, they're almost building their identity around that thing. So then when they finally feel uncomfortable and they're like, I want to change, but I'm afraid because everybody knows me as this thing. And if I change, are they going to know me the same way? Or what are they going to think when I jump and do yeah, something different. And you just have to show them that you're doing something different. Yeah. And that's fine. And most most people are supportive and they're going to be on board. Yeah. You know, relationships are relationships no matter who they're with or in what way. Like if it's a business relationship, like shift it into a new business relationship. Mm-hmm. People are going to be excited for you if you have that foundation with them. Yeah, uh, Regardless true. of what you're doing. There's a quote. I'm going to butcher this. I don't remember exactly how it goes, but um, it's something like goals are a place to aim your arrow. And it doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily like hit the, hit the target or it's a target to aim your arrow, something like that. It doesn't mean you're going to hit that target, but it gives you a direction. And I think as long as you're focused on a direction and you're clear on what's motivating you, then go for it. Mm-hmm. Like, there are no knowns in life. Like, we try so hard to create kind of like these fake things that make us feel comfortable and safe. But in reality, they don't exist. You have to be able to change. You have to be able to constantly be improving yourself, working on yourself, growing, and being open to new things in your life. Yeah, it reminds me so much of a conversation I had a couple of years ago where, and I have said this a million times on our podcast, the person I was in high school is not the person I am today. The person I was in college is not the person I am today. The person I am today is not going to be the person I am three years from now. I'm flexible. I change. I shift. I change my mind. I do new things, all these different things. But I remember my first experience with having to actually come face to face with the fact that I changed was a moment where I, in college, decided to start putting out these motivational videos. Um, And I loved doing it. They were called Real Talk Mondays, put them out every Monday. Enjoyed the editing process, the whole nine yards. And there was one moment where a friend of mine from high school texted me and said, "Um, you know, are you doing those videos for your internship? And I said, oh, no, I'm just doing them because I enjoy doing them. She's like, oh, like, they scare me. Like, they're so not you. And this was a friend who I really hadn't talked. We didn't really talk much in college. We're friends now. We've kind of moved past that that stage. But like we didn't talk much in college. We were really close in high school. And it struck me as interesting because I never really thought about people 
comparing the person I am now to the person I was in high school, I just thought they were kind of moving along this change with me as opposed to comparing me to the person they knew and the person I am now. And my response back to her was, well, the person you knew is not the person I really am. Like I've changed. I'm continuing to change. And it was just a really foundational moment for me to realize that like people can notice that I've changed, but it doesn't mean that I should change back. And, And also, by the way, like, if I'm the same person I was at 18 that I am at 21, like I'm doing <laughs> we have wrong. a problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's like, I do think though that people can tend to try and put you in a box and that's something that's really challenging in many ways and something to look out for. And again, you just have to like stay focused, stay in your lane and just do what you got to do because people are going to expect certain things from you mm-hmm. um, that you might not want for yourself. You might not want what you did 10 years ago you might want something completely different and that's okay but you will for sure get some pushback yeah but that's part of it so you mentioned that when you switched over and you made this shift a lot of things changed in your life you bought a house you ended a relationship can you kind of walk us through like the feelings that you were going through during that process and what it was like to then come out of it and be who you are right now yeah i mean it was one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do for sure. Um, I think that I learned so much about myself in the process. Um, With my ex-boyfriend, we went to, we were, you know, I felt like I gave, really gave it my all. And that was, that was what I felt like I needed to do to feel okay with it. I really wanted to get married. He wasn't ready. And we were in this constant, constant cycle. Um, And we were in therapy together for about like eight or nine months, which was one of the best things that I ever did for myself. I mean, he was involved too, but I just learned so much about myself in that way. And it really helped me to kind of align um, what I need to work on in relationship too. And like, and ha- and really face that head on, which I yeah. had never done before. I, I think in a lot of ways, I was always kind of like, eh, it's just like his, he's doing this, he's doing that, whatever. Um, and I think coming out of that relationship too and having to be on my own especially financially was a huge like slap in the face for me it was the first time that I ever cared because I thought that we were on the track of I was just going to be like getting married and having babies soon and for me it's important to be home with my kids which is always why I wanted to be an entrepreneur to begin with um and I just I really had to face a lot of things about myself finances was a big one and I'm Mm -hmm. so proud of myself because I I feel like I was able to look at that and go into panic mode, but then pull myself out of it and really make some changes that I otherwise would have never, ever done. Yeah. It's always, it's like that saying, like, through darkness comes light or, like, through the ashes rises the phoenix. Yeah, <laughs> like, there's so many <laughs> Through the mud comes the flowers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, like, that's yeah. how you grow. Like, you go, you push yourself through challenging things. Like, I left something that I felt was so constant and almost safe right again mm-hmm. like her talking about feeling that feeling of safety but it really wasn't I it it wasn't and it wasn't going anywhere and I had to make that decision and it was really challenging like I remember like you know driving my moving truck like in hysterical tears like it was hard I like had to I like, didn't I just booked a trip to California for three weeks and then I like didn't know where I was living when I came back yeah and wow. it's just you know, but I, I got that time to really think about what I want and it has shifted. I have to say, like, you have to check in with yourself because it's so easy to just get wrapped up in daily life and forget 
to actually check in and say, okay, like, what do I want? What's important to me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. I also think it's really valuable to understand what's important to you and not put that in a box in the sense of, like, for me, what's important to me is female empowerment. Like, that's the theme that I'm shooting for. Like, that's my direction that I'm moving towards is, and and that's the thing that I, I, try to align the majority of my work with is that space right there however what I've learned is that one season I might be working on one type of project that fuels that fire towards female empowerment but the following season that project can no longer seriously interest me yet I still am interested in female empowerment so whereas the actual vehicle might shift the directions always stay the same Mm-hmm. That makes complete sense. That makes sense. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. I was going to talking out of my ass. Nope. No, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It definitely makes sense. It's, it's weird because I feel like people will tell you all kinds of things. You just have to stay in your own lane. thing. Stay in your lane. Yeah. If you are passionate about something and you want to make it happen, find a way to make it happen. Ask for help. Do what you need to do. If people tell you it's crazy, maybe it is. I don't know. But also maybe it's not. Yeah. So try it because... I, I always live from a place that I don't want to have any regrets. So if I'm ever really stuck making a decision, I always ask myself, which would I regret more, doing it or not doing it? And yeah, people are going to judge you no matter what you do. Like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like people are going to say something about you no matter what the heck your decision is. So like you said, yeah, yeah just I do think, what you want to do. And I think that's been honestly the biggest thing for me through this whole process is being able to listen to my own inner voice. Mm-hmm. And it's really challenging. It yeah. is. Like, so <laughs> I had no idea because I always saw myself as someone that was very independent and didn't really care what people think. But like, holy shit, was I wrong? I care what people think. I had no idea. But it's, you have to be able to kind of dig down deep and just say, what do I want? And what do I need regardless of what else is going, whatever else is going on in everyone else's head. It's literally so hard to separate yourself from that. Like, that is something that I battle all the time like I just have to had to recently um make a really big shift in my life where I have been working on um a program that I've shared with many of you listeners out there um Savan and Lexi were both part of it Lexi is Rachel's um cousin so women in the workplace program which I love so much and it's such a fun and exciting and intriguing and interesting program that I've created And when I created it last year, I created it with the intention of doing it twice per year, once in the fall and once in the spring. And um, my corporate job has seasons where seasons that I'm really busy, seasons that I'm not. And my seasons that I'm really busy are January and through July. So last fall, when I ran this first program, I had all the time in the world to dedicate to building and fueling the fire of that program. So... I blindly thought, okay, I can do that. I can duplicate that in the spring. And then all of a sudden, December came around. I got engaged and my work picked up. And I had to make the decision, is now the best time to run this program or do I need to focus on my corporate job, which I love dearly. It's not like I'm trying to do this program to replace my corporate job. It's it's just a great side thing that I'm passionate about. And then also my wedding planning. And I remember having a conversation with Sophie Morrison saying, like, I don't know what to do. Like, 
people are counting on me to have this program and I just don't want to be a fraud on social media. Like I had been promoting this program and I'm just not going to do it anymore. And she's like, first off, Shelby, there's probably a lot less people that care about your life than than you think that there are. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Second, instead of thinking that it's a mistake to decide to push it off into the fall, realize it was probably a mistake to ever plan it to happen in the spring in the first place. You knew how crazy your life was in the springtime. You knew that every weekend you'd be traveling. You didn't know that you'd be engaged, but you knew that you'd be engaged. So yeah. like, you know, it's okay to to shift and and to take breaks here and there and slow down and, and don't only make your decision based on what you think other people are going to say about yeah. you. And a lot of times like those pauses that you take are exactly what you need. Like I remember my first collection that I did um, and I was like rushing to get it done because in like fashion world you have deadlines and you have to meet them so you can get the buyer's orders and stuff. And my production was going to take like another six months to a year. And I just, I was devastated. Wow. Thank God I had that year. I wouldn't have even known what to do if I didn't. Like I would have gotten product and had I mean, I already barely knew what I was doing to begin with, but I'm so grateful for that year because I learned so much of what I needed to know. So like things like that happen for a reason. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of when you had to go back to Subaru. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say that too. Like what you just went through, you told me the same thing when I was thinking I had to go back to my job because recently, like last spring, I also got out of a relationship and I was like panicked, like didn't know what to do. Um, was hit with this like huge financial burden that I had to like come up with money for and decided to go back to the previous job I had when I got out of college. At the same time, still trying to pursue my business and still continuing to serve the clients that I had. Um, But I was worried that I would be overwhelmed with everything and I wouldn't be able to keep up with it all. And I worried that it was a step back. And in reality, it hasn't been a step back at all. Like I've gone to do so many cool projects by going back there. We just created commercials that are gonna be airing on TV. Like I've been able to use new skills that I learned the two years I wasn't there and bring them back in and do things that I wasn't able to do before there now. And it's been like a lot of fun and it's just been a growing period for me and I'm grateful for it. And I know I won't be there forever, but at the same time, like I'm still learning things every day and it's bringing me to a point where I know I need to be. Yeah, so. and having that security, I'm sure, allows you a mindset shift and flexibility where you can maybe take more risks otherwise and do yeah. other things that you wouldn't do. Exactly. I think it's just a powerful perspective to have, or it's powerful to have the perspective that most steps back are not actually steps back. Like If you think it's a step back, you could, you could definitely frame it in one way and be like, this is a step back. But you could also frame it in a way where it's absolutely not a step back and it's up to you which frame you're using. Right. It's all about your mindset. Everything is all about your mindset. Yes. That is like the key of life. Oh, for sure. Your mindset is everything. So if you're going to be down yourself and say, like, it's a step back, I'm a loser, I'm this, I'm that, then like, yeah, then you are those things. Mm -hmm. For sure. But if you're going to look at it and say, this is a great opportunity, it'll provide stability, which is a value of mine, like... Then and that's something that you need to feed. Then mm-hmm. that's great. 
like do it, but have the mindset around it and be aware of what your values are too. I think that that's something that's also really important. Like you have to make sure that what you're doing is aligned. So if you want to start a business and your main value in life is financial security mm-hmm. and stability, well, it's probably not for you. <laughs> yeah, right. So that's fine. Or maybe it is for you and you can find a way to have that and do what you want to do. There's mm-hmm. always a way. You just have to be honest with yourself. Yeah. That's a good point. So, Rachel, you mentioned before that part of your coaching, so to, to, we've kind of gone all over the place. We haven't gotten any full <laughs> line. It's been all over the place. But to go back to the chronological order, so we've talked a lot about your college years. We talked a lot about your first job. We talked about your time with um, um, your clothing company. And then you've gone into now business coaching. And you say that you talk a lot about fear because we all have fear. What would be some of the most common fears that you see women come up against when they're facing any kind of challenge? I think it's often being unsure which direction to go in. They're afraid of making the wrong decision is a big one. Um, I think that the financial fear is always there when taking a risk as well. Those are kind of the two biggest, I would say, that I see. Um, And I think the fear of making a wrong decision is a scary one. But what I do with my clients is we break it down and I do this thing called a what if analysis. And we actually look at like, I I believe in making decisions based on facts and numbers. I'm a huge believer in also following your intuition and your gut. And there is a place for both of those things. Um, I think in business, as much as you can get out on paper, and you can see it, it will help you to break through that fear. Um, you know, and then you also have to listen to what your what your gut is telling you and and know. But at least you have some information to base that decision off of. Yeah. And people just get kind of stopped dead in their tracks. People are also just overwhelmed. That's a big thing that I see with clients is that maybe they have something that they want to do, but they don't know how to get from A to B. And so they just stop and they don't do anything. Yeah. I also think people tend to overcomplicate things, and oftentimes the answer you're looking for is right underneath your nose. And so taking that time to step back, like for example, I'm really big into puzzles right now, <laughs> and I'm currently working on this thousand-piece puzzle. And last night I was getting really frustrated at myself because I had gotten to a point where like I just could not put the pieces together. So I stepped away from it. And this morning I woke up a little bit early to get – some of the puzzle dunks, I'm that addicted to it right now. <laughs> and I came back refreshed, recharged, and like the pieces came easily. It's a good metaphor for life. And it's it's a great metaphor for life. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm actually doing more puzzles now to separate myself from my phone. And it's an amazing method of, of huh. getting away from my phone. It's interesting. Yeah. I love that. I think also like trying to find examples in your life that are so simple, like the puzzle. Mm-hmm to be able to look back on and remind yourself, oh, I can do that. Like, because those little moments are kind of how you do those big moments too. So the next time you have a big speaking thing coming up or you have something really scary, you can be like, but I did that puzzle. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. I did it. So if I can do that, then I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really important. Like, I remember before I did um, Broad Street Run, like, my my ex-boyfriend was like, all right, we're going to do this. And he made me, like, flip an egg 
like a sunny side up egg, which I could never do. And he always used to do. And I was just like, and he was, he said that to me. He's like, okay, if you can like flip this egg, like just remember this tomorrow when you're at like mile seven, <laughs> you can finish the race. And it did, it stuck in my head. And it's just like, what in those little moments can you have kind of in your back pocket to remind yourself of in the big moments? That's interesting. I never would have thought of it like that. I think it also provides some comic relief too. Yeah. yeah. Like mile seven thinking about flipping an egg. You're like, okay, exactly. I can get you're like, this. yeah, I got this. <laughs> like what are the other things that are like the little wins in your life? Yeah. Like I, when I bought my house, my mom thought it was like the worst idea ever. She was like, You're too emotional to be making this big decision. <laughs> like you cannot. And I did it and I think it was one of the best decisions I've ever made and I love my house so much. It's like it's like my independence in a in a house. I don't know how to explain it. It's like mm-hmm. so me. Like I'm very obsessed with like interiors and decorating all that stuff and it's yeah. just like so me and mine. And there's been a lot of decisions now since then that, you know, maybe my mom or other people in my family or whatever, they just don't get where I'm coming from and I can remind myself like I listened to my voice then. And mm-hmm. I can listen to it now. Yeah. I like that a lot. Separating the head and the heart. Always a good, always like, it's always a, a difficult journey. But I feel like once you learn how to actually do that and make decisions mostly based on your heart, but also with logic to back it up, like you can go a million miles farther than you thought you could. Absolutely. But um, for the sake of time, I have one more question for you. Yeah. So if we were sitting here a year from now, bottle of champagne what would we be celebrating Ooh, that's a good question hmm what would we be celebrating i you know what i have no idea (laughs) (laughs) i am in such a moment of flux right now that i really i don't know and i'm kind of okay with that okay which is which is a big deal for me to say because i am a planner to the extreme and i I want to I want to be celebrating that I really listen to my inner voice and that I am completely doing what I feel I want to do without any outside noise. I love that. That's perfect. Yeah, that's a great one. All right, Rachel. So share with everyone where they can find you, get in touch with you, tell you thank you for this awesome episode. Just give us all the information. Sure. So you can find me at rachelmednick.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at ramednick. And I post lots of workshops and different things I'm doing on Instagram. So that's the best place to follow me. Also some weekly inspiration and some really cool interviews with other entrepreneurs as well. Oh, awesome. Sweet. Okay, Exciting. cool. And we'll put that in the show notes, everybody. But as always, we hope that you enjoyed tonight's episode or today's episode, whatever time we're listening to this episode. Um, and if you liked it, please go shoot Rachel a follow. She's so great sitting with us. Even as mice run around our feet. Actually, there's only one mouse and we haven't seen it since. But um, (laughs) that is just, you know, the power of the startup world here. Um, But anyway, thank you all so much. And if you liked this episode, shoot us a little rating on iTunes or a follow on Spotify or something along those lines on Google Play. I've never used it, so I don't know what the terminology is for that one. But... We love you as always, and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.